Welcome to the Heroes of Reality podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. Hello. Are you interested in conscious capitalism? What about blending together the ancient past with the trend-setting future? Well, on today's podcast, I have Coda Pepetone. He is the founding partner of Earth Capital Advisors, entrepreneur, rational futurist, and dancer, experienced in government tech, wearable health tech, investment, and he believes ancient wisdom informs the frontier technology. So without any delay, I'd like to welcome Coda. Dylan, thank you so much for having me on. I'm looking forward to chopping it up with you and, and seeing where this conversation goes today. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm super excited to wrap with you. Uh, we, we met uh, on, a, on, a, on a strange place at a strange time, uh, and it was a really unique chatting with you. And so I was just, just struck by kind of like who you are and what you've done and how you live. And so I kind of want to first just kick things off so people can get an understanding, just a basis of what brought you into the space of creating Earth Capital Advisors. Uh, could you tell us and just lay a little bit of the ground tracks of just what brought you up to this moment today? For sure. Uh, so yeah, Earth Capital Advisors, a firm, uh, we're, we're in pre-formation over there and uh, looking at this concept of the roots of the future are ancient. So, you know, you don't just start off uh, general partner in, in such a project. I have a background in entrepreneurship. And as you mentioned in the, in the intro, that started with government technology, moved into wearable devices, wearable tech with a design firm. And then we started some M&A work with different biohacking centers. I did some interesting para-government work during the pandemic and ultimately have landed in this. Now, the actual birthing of Earth was really nonlinear. Um, I had been working on a fund called Permanence Capital with a partner, Alex Aziz. We were looking at these uh, really laying the foundations for the future of, of decentralized psychedelic uh, healing. So it was looking at brick and mortar medical spas and, and that were super distressed during the pandemic because you couldn't go into places. Um, so we were buying into those and rolling them up. But the thing about them is they have home health care licenses. So we we're looking at using that as a distribution infrastructure for at the time ketamine or esketamine. And then expanding that as this new class of psychedelic psychiatric therapeutics uh, becomes regulated and, and legalized, having this infrastructure built, this brand built, um, and then working with telehealth. And we had all these grand visions of what if we had an indigenous shaman, a, a, a licensed clinical social worker, psychedelic therapeutics, all on these telehealth broadcasts and had these like 100 person um, home health decentralized ceremonies. And I was super amped about it. Um, with all things in entrepreneurship, you're, you're, you have an idea. Um, it's, it, it strikes seven people at the same time. Um, I didn't find all seven of those people and they found a little more capital than us. And some of our deals, uh, you know, fell apart as a result and were better for the entrepreneurs, uh, that we were working with. So in, in good faith, um, they went the other direction. But I gained a lot of experience and I'm sitting here like I had a dream. Uh, how do I how do I keep going on this dream? I know it's coming through. And uh, another uh, through a coach, mm -hmm. some other investment professionals had just completed uh, the SEC process around Earth Capital Advisors, which at the time was was aiming at cannabis and doing a similar thing of let's build 
the cannabis ecosystem to an institutional quality investment product that we could then ultimately work with pension funds and really grow the industry. And then the same thing, pandemic happened, money moved, uh, regulation shifted and, and federal legalization didn't come down. So they were like, you know, out of luck. And I'm sitting here doing deep work, which I'd love to get into during the, during the talk today. I'm doing my spiritual work. I'm in the Amazon uh, working with indigenous, re reconstructing all of reality for myself. Um, and and this, this, these coaches connected us. So here I am as this, this investment professional. Here they are with this platform that's looking for new guidance and a new thesis. And our thesis just, our, our value alignment just came together. And we said, let's just join forces and let's build this. That clearly was the sweet spot because doors kept opening, right? Mm -hmm. and, and one of the objective measures I offer people in these kind of nonlinear projects is how many synchronicities are showing up for you and how often. And when we got into stillness, got into alignment and started spreading the good news of, of earth, doors continued to open, people continued to lean in. Um, and, and that's, that's the, the abridged version of how I got to where I am with, with earth capital advisors today. That's awesome. So, uh, awesome story. We're going to dive into a couple of these different elements as we go through this. For the area of going into, say, conscious capitalists and, you know, being inside your body, a lot of this deep work, as you call it, what got you onto that path? Like, what got yeah. you to start doing deep work? What, what, were you always yeah. that way or? Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's, let's start at a first, my first catalyst, right? What's the first spiritual emergence, spiritual emergency? Um, you know, when I was 20, I had my, uh, you know, college life. I was a sophomore and I, I probably didn't have the best sleep hygiene. Um, and I had a lot of ideas. I was studying world religions, philosophy, ethics with a concentration in economics. Uh, didn't know I was going to end up in investment, but clearly when you look back, I was heading towards this kind of macro global systems change through capitalism. Um, and I'm sitting there not sleeping uh, for several days, exploring uh, meditation, exploring self-hypnosis. And I started having a little bit of a, uh, I was unwell. Essentially, I was, I was dreaming while awake and i had to go uh, to to see a therapist and that was the the prescription was one sleep um two two have good sleep hygiene so like don't do homework in your, in your bed don't uh, have people i uh, don't have all these social active things in your bed like do that in a separate location so you have hygiene around where you sleep every night and i started doing that but they also said that the, the second piece of advice meditation and get serious about it which i did so I, I fortunately didn't get a, you know, incarcerated on, on, on psychiatric meds, as so many people do as a result of those types of episodes. I was prescribed self-care and I took it very seriously. So I began meditating uh, since I was 20, so I'm 33 now, and I, I meditate every day, uh, at least 20 minutes. At that time, I was doing an hour a day and I started long distance running and I got into a barefoot running and, 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 and really lightweight, clean diet with essentially raw vegan food so I could run really far. Um, and that never left me. So today, you know, I, I still do some kind of physical activity every day. I've moved through different trends and what that looks like. Um, my diet has also expanded and evolved based on what I'm doing. Uh, but I've always been into this health and wellness and what's the holistic approach to mental well-being so I can fully show up in what I'm doing. Um, 
I can I can map this journey even more through through yoga. I studied um, various forms and really settled into deep study of Kundalini for about seven years um, and learned to master these uh, the on ramps to really designer states of consciousness through breath and movement, repetitive movement and mantra. Um, and then I got into a little bit more biohacking traditionally. I was in, in all of the the supplements. Uh, today I took I took some uh, nootropics and and adaptogenic mushrooms and all of this stuff. And that's been really present. Mm. Now uh, to take that story and open it up to I think where your audience might resonate more. You know, okay, yoga guy, running guy, that's normal entrepreneurship. That's not too sensational. But then I started really working with indigenous communities. This would probably be about seven years ago. And that came through the yoga community. It came through the meditation community. And I was one of the only entrepreneurs in the circles when I first started. But the Hucholes, Wixarica, they work with uh, peyote ceremonially. Um, they came to Baltimore, Maryland, um, where I was. And they were, they were sharing their songs. And then when you attend some of their events, they'll invite, invite you to an actual ceremony with their peyote medicine. And, and I did that and it began really to open up how little I know about what the hell is going on here mm. and, and how, how much more, uh, I think there's more power in these lineages that have transferred through ritual and through time and dedication, the resonance of these songs again and again and again between generations around the same fire. And mm. I started sitting around that fire. And I started learning those songs. And then that, that community invited me in to uh, the Santo Daime Church um, and my first time working with uh, uh, Ayahuasca. Mm -hmm. And you know, after several ceremonies, I ultimately found myself in the Amazon. Um, but let's, let's, uh, let me tap the brakes a little bit on the narrative just to, to create some of the professional context that was happening simultaneous to this track of inner work. And the way that I'll open that up is to say that I believe, and a mentor told me, um, when I first heard this from Joe McClinsky at Shift the Work, um, he said that you have exactly the business you're ready for. And you are the limiting factor, right? You're the limiting factor to your business's growth. So at the time when I was first meeting with the, 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 the huge trolls and, and, and sitting in ceremony, I had a government technology platform that helped social workers serve more clients in homeless services, right? So the, the, the thing we were solving there is there, it, it's not a supply issue that we have homelessness. There's more than enough supply that occupancy rates are super low, to be honest. It's, it's more of a logistics issue. And the social infrastructure to deploy the abundance of government capital into delivering services is poor. There's technical debt in those systems. The HMIS systems are old and out of date. So we were essentially updating these systems and building better tools for social workers to help more people faster with this ultimate thesis to connect that to uh, tenant management systems and commercial real estate. And here I am holding that, um, singing ancient songs and, uh, and drinking peyote while holding that. So, so uh, you know, that, that, that's the beginning of the story. Yeah. Um, and What's... I can track that, uh, but please jump. Yeah, let me jump on this one. What's interesting is there's a thing with doing this, this say plant medicine work, right? Where... Yeah. You do it and, it, and it's not all about like, you know, make as much money as you can, go, go, go. But it's about like, how do you find this thing that is fulfilling in your life, but also serves other people? It's very selfless, right? Mm -hmm. 
it's a very interesting thing. And, and the pattern is that what did you like in terms of doing the medicine? And I don't know like context where you were, if you were inside one of those like, you know, really hot TPs or what, I don't know the, the context of how you did it. Uh, but when you were doing it was, did you go there as a way to, to heal yourself or would, or were you going there as a way to get guidance on where you wanted to go? Like, and I'm very curious about what, you know, what the medicine gave to you specifically that kind of, uh, aided you in the area of your entrepreneurship. I love that framing. Mm-hmm. So uh, I feel like the medicine, we are the medicine, first of all. These are just, they're, they're, they're DMT agonists, or they just kind of upregulate our bodies, endogenous abilities to produce these states of consciousness, as I already knew from studying Kundalini, right? So I am the, I am doing the things, my, my physiology is causing the experiences to happen. The, the exogenous uh, brew, the medicine, which is, you know, We've, we process and extract and refine these to have psychiatric medication or ther- or pharmaceutical therapeutics like that. It's the same stuff. That's just an agonist that, that encourages or facilitates your body um, reaching these states uh, that the, the body's capable of reaching through, through its own mechanisms already. So I, I go there uh, to experience the hallucination of what if everything worked out exactly as I want it to. And I would go there to, and I'd experience all of the weight of what I'm taking on actually being on my shoulders. And inevitably, I would crush myself. I would crack. I would, I would, I would, I would crumble. And it's, you know, I was taking on homelessness as one individual. And in the first ceremony, it was like on my shoulders. And I'm, you know, leaning for, and I'm, I'm crumbling under the weight of the thing that I've taken on. And that is re- literally the, the ego just holding it and saying like, all right, you think you got it? Here you go. We got it. And then it breaks because it actually isn't equipped to do that on its own. And it's not designed to. It didn't evolve to. So it was essentially a breaking of my arrogance again and again. And when I first experienced that, people call it an ego death or something. I, 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 I em- embodied full sensory experience of failure and ultimately like a bit of a death experience as a result of that failure spiral downward. And then I realized, Oh, I'm still sitting here and Oh, we're still singing the song and Oh, this is just the beginning of ceremony. And Oh, what did I sign up for? Then I got humble. Mm. I got really humble. And I, and I realized that I'm not doing this on my own and I am the limiting factor to my, to this business's growth because I am not asking for help because I am not creating space in the clarity of my language for other folks to interface with me. I am not. That's super interesting because from what I'm hearing you say is you're going and experiencing almost like a a dry run of the pressure of what it's like to, what does it look like to build this business completely on your own, which then the experience itself would humble the ego by crushing you until you, until you tapped and the tapping was a sense of, Hey, ask for help. Ask for help. You don't have to do this on your own. And I think as entrepreneurs, some things that happen is that we forget that we're social creatures. We go in our little cave, we grind a bit, we hustle, we drink a whole bunch of coffee, we try to make a bunch of things happen. And then there's a thing that tends to happen, I've seen as a cycle, where sometimes if we can't rise the occasion, we get very victim-minded. We start blaming and shaming and and being a victim of why I'm not where I need to be, right? And there's Mm -hmm. there's that ego that can jump in front of it, right? But what's beautiful about that is if you can actually just become selfless with what your mission is and ask for help, you can kind of transcend that victim mindedness to kind of get you to where you want to go. And so I feel like that sounds to me like a bit of what the medicine um, 
what the experience was helping you understand. Oh, for sure, Dylan. And, and, and the layer two where if I'm being this like super ego dri like driven uh, creator type energy with no humility, um, when other others interface with that, I'm sure you've interfaced with the with powerful founders who, who you know they're about they're about to fail or they're they're going to have a hostile takeover or salvage the remains of their business. Um, the, 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 it's like you don't know how they're going to act. Uh, you know, if you're walking on the street and you see somebody whose who's idiosyncratic patterns don't match what you would expect, they you don't know how to act on them. You don't feel safe. You'll, you'll move away from them. You'll walk. You know, that it's danger, threat assessment, right? You, so, so I was catalyzing fear in those that I was seeking to collaborate with because I was too intense, right? And I didn't even know it. I thought I was driven by passion. I thought I was so heart-centered. Couldn't people feel it? And some people could. The other warriors out there that wanted to, that thought social change came from that, that type of, uh, of, of action and, and, and whatnot. But the real, the, the calling that I wasn't listening carefully to was to be humble and to be somewhat more gentle and precise. And in that, in that precision, it's almost like less energy is required to move this massive thing because mm -hmm. less energy is, is collaborating and more instances of less energy, more people pushing within their capacity from their center and this giant flywheel is turning. But if I'm just one person pushing with all my force on one, one touch of this flywheel, I'm not going to move this massive stone. It's yeah. everybody touching it together a little bit within our capacity, and then the thing starts spinning. Yeah. What do you think we're actually tapping into when you experience that? Like when when like these lessons that we get, they seem to be somewhat I don't want to say universal, but they're pretty not common, but for, for in this world. But like, what is it? Do you think is happening? Yeah. when you're experiencing those lessons yeah yeah i think that uh you know this i love that we're gonna go we're gonna go deep i love that this is, this is <laughs> a, 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 i don't know where you're going let's see what happens so, <laughs> so, so i th i think that this there's an illusion of separation clearly but there's an illusion that that i am i am that i am that one who's doing and in reality there's there's so much outside of the of this that is doing and, you know, in some sense, there's an aspect of, of my consciousness that is this entire room, right? And non-local consciousness has been objectively disproven. So on the other side of these walls, the other side of that door over there, maybe there's nothing. Maybe reality has, is not actually existent beyond my, 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 the, my senses of it. But if we just limit it to what I can sense right now, I am all of that in some level. So in this conversation, like I am you in a sense, and you are me and we're co-creating this conversation. So if I am trying to be all of this conversation, there's so much of my capacity or our capacity that's not engaged because I, I haven't been um, leaving space for it. So I, I think to answer your question, like what is it that we're tapping into? We're tapping into this, this broader mesh that is actually acting. Mm. And, and, and there's so much more resource in that, interdependent mesh that is all of us together and it, and 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 we're tapping into how to actually be in alignment with that yeah. and then when we we get those sparks of insight i mean that's our next venture that's our next project that's the solution to this this small problem in today's today's tasks that's actually coming from the alignment with this broader mesh of, of all others yeah. i love that 
and what it sounds like is if you you know and this is this is going to go a little woo woo but i will bring we will bring this back to science yeah, back. i got um, more companies to share yeah, about yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, gonna, but what we're talking about this what i think is just interesting just to take a beat on this because i think some people yeah. when they maybe hear um you know they do plant medicine oh they just you know you know they do you know doing a bunch of drugs and they're getting high and then this is the experience that they're having and it's just all in their mind and but there's a weird thing that like what you're talking about is like there's something about unless you've experienced it, you're we're tapping into this this consciousness that is above us. We're a part of it, but it's around us. Like it's this universal unity matrix thing that we dive into and that we're connected with. And it's funny because the way you're describing it is strikingly similar to a gentleman I had on my podcast recently named Donald Hoffman, who is a neuroscientist who wrote the book The Case Against Reality, but it was from a neuroscientist perspective about how everything is consciousness. Reality isn't real. Physical time, space, none of that's real. What only thing that's real is consciousness, our consciousness interacting with each other. Everything has consciousness and we are just experiencing each other, which sounds like when you're doing this medicine, you're getting more of this alignment. And when you're in this alignment, you're talking about this flywheel, right? Mm -hmm. People all working together. You mentioned it as multiple synchronicities working mm -hmm. together in harmony. Right. And so I, what's interesting, what I'm very struck by in terms of like, how, how do you do this to, to reach your full potential, whether in business or in any other dynamic of life, right? You talk about this, this universal synchronicity that happens in alignment in one way is through this plant medicine, but it sounds like you've done it through multiple ways to kind yeah. of create this alignment. Yeah, let's go there. So yeah. uh, I'll borrow from Dr. Gino Yu, who's a uh -huh. great mentor of mine. I don't know if you've crossed paths with him yet. I think yeah. it's a lot of value in his content. Um, yeah. On core.live, you can find some of his talks. Um, Closer to Truth, he's a regular guest on that one. Um, and uh, he'll, he'll talk about, uh, I used the word humility earlier. Um, this is conclusion that he reaches that there are broader forces at work. There are broader forces at work here. There's, there's something that was here before my consciousness came up with the idea that I exist. And and that something is going to be here after my my sense of self has decided that I no longer exist and and and, and being in in resonance with that. Be, all of our efforts are moving towards actions that then create a response from that. Right. The field is in this. If I say I'm going to start X company and I push really hard on X company. And then I have, you know, my friends start having the disruptions in, in our social relationships. And then I keep pushing and then, and then like, I'm not raising any money and then I'm, I'm broke and then I keep pushing. And then, you know, my, I get sick and then I keep pushing. Then I have a car accident, right? All of those things, the car accident, the friends, the, the, the lack of health, the lack of resources, that was the field or the universe kind of tapping on the shoulder and, and I wasn't listening. And then it was shaking me and I wasn't listening. And then it was like, listen, right? That I think is, is there's a third party in this podcast and that is the field itself. Mm. And, and the, 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 the more we are in tune with these higher forces at work, these, these greater powers, this field itself, the, the, the more synchronicities and ultimately the more success we'll have with the finite amount of effort we have to generate with mm. so i can't yeah, keep oh, go no it's 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 interesting when you talk about because i always think about there's when we co-create realities 
right? Because, uh, you know, my model is, you know, uh, uh, I've got it from someone else along the way is there's three realities, our external environment, what's around us, or our virtual environment, our internal environment, our narrative, or the social environment, what we co-create together. It's interesting to think about it from a co-creation standpoint of not only am I co-creating with you, and now we is this third entity, you and me, we is this third entity, but even to an experience of the reality around us, even without people is a we. Yes. So me experiencing nature, life around me in that reality is a we. And what the interactions is, is how are we affecting each other? It's an interesting right. thought. Right, yeah. right. And this then brings in other layers. So um, Siddhartha Gautama, like the, the Buddha narrative, right? Mm -hmm. um, mythology, the who is here to witness my enlightenment? Right, the earth is here to witness my enlightenment. He, he's he's creating. He had a full life, right? An entrepreneur, success in commercial endeavors, and then he had a, a romantic endeavors. He had this whole all these different chapters in in the story, and then ultimately he's sitting there under the tree, just going to sit there. And then the, the daughters of Myra come. They try to tempt him with seduction and and whatnot, and and he's just sitting there, um, not engaging in these distractions. And then the the final kind of communication from other people to the Buddha before he reaches enlightenment is, well, who is here to witness your enlightenment? And he just taps the ground and says, the earth is here to witness my enlightenment. And that that's calling back to what we're discussing right now, that the field is here to not just witness, but is also in co-creation with us in all we're doing. So when I am sitting by myself in my room, staring at a screen, talking to you and, 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 and asynchronously with others, um, I'm, I am also fully immersed in, in, in contact in some level with all that is. And, mm. and I am in co-creation and collaboration with that. So mm. if I can tune in to that other teammate here, which is the field itself, for every decision that I'm making, right? Like just before this call we were I was helping uh, a friend's real estate firm uh, with their, their brand, the, the backend marketing engineering. And we were doing all this stuff and then we finished the call and, and there was some tasks. And one of the, 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 the workers on the team, the power went out in his house. So he couldn't do these things that are pretty time critical. And I'm like, well, I'm on this podcast, so we'll hop in later. But it's like, but maybe there's something else there. Maybe it's not the right moment to rejigger yeah. some of those accounts, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Maybe, maybe this time is actually a gift, to, a contribution from a, a higher force that's saying, you know, get, give it a minute, give it another hour, maybe give it another day um, before yeah. taking that action. Uh, it's, it's so interesting because there's this whole needing to control, wanting to control, desire to control. And, and I think with part of entrepreneurship, like looking back at entrepreneurship, is the the crafting of turning an imaginary some nothing into a real thing a viable thing that you know produces some sort of economical benefit or has some sort of production capabilities that we have to imagine bring to existence but it's also doing it along a way that makes sense that's of service to nature community the people around you uh and then sometimes uh uh uh, uh, nature pushes back. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, and and and, and maybe there's a useful uh, distinction in this. So I'm I'm not saying do nothing. Right? I'm yeah. not saying sit here and just like breathe and calibrate your breathing until your business emerges from the ether. I'm not saying that. Uh, I I am saying that our this this instrument that we're renting for you know eighty to maybe one hundred twenty. I don't know. 
150 years. Let's see what biohacking brings us. However many years we rented this body for, um, it's a tool to be used. Eudaimonia, right? Function. There, there, there is the, 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 the flourishing action of the body that is valuable. What, I, what I'm saying is that there's that everything's happening to me. There's everything's happening by me. And then there is reality is coming through me. So this mm-hmm. through me, by me, through me, uh, developmental stages in, in how we frame our consciousness. Mm-hmm. And for, for the before medicine, I, you know, I was, I'd already moved through, I think yoga and meditation got me out of the, the world's happening to me. I'm a victim of the world, et cetera. I began to receive the gifts of everything I created for myself in my life. I began to receive the, the, the lessons and the skills that I cultivated in the perfect timeline to be able to be in the situations that I'm in and be of service in the ways I am. So I was through the, the everything's happening to me. Um, but I was still in this, I am the creator. It's happening by me. Me, I am that one that's creating. And I wasn't listening to the field. I wasn't listening to others. And then it was in plant medicine that I, I got humbled to say that actually this, this is coming through me. And it's coming through me like it came through my father and it came through his father and his father before him. And it's coming through these generations. And the power of that momentum is far greater than fully caffeinated coda with a full nootropic stack, you know, in a perfect, <laughs> perfect deep, fo- deep flow focus state. Um, right? right? So, so I'm saying do and be in action, but be, be in, in alignment with this intergenerational legacy of already happening momentum. Yeah, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And also aligns a lot with the hero's journey, right? The hero's journey is this purpose-driven self of service to the community that is on a mission, who then goes off on a journey, achieves some goal, then comes back and be the mentor for the next person along their journey and their path. And we're all this kind of humanity. I always imagine humanity is like a, like a torch of consciousness being passed from one generation to the next, right? As we're going through uh, the the time span, right? And it's, it's really interesting to see. And uh, I, I do want to like talk about a little bit about, you talked these bio, so alignment, a lot of yeah. alignment with the physicality, the meditation, the work, all that stuff. And then you got into biohacking and yeah. you, you ran into, you created a biohacking company, which is a little unique. Yeah. What it, how did how did that alignment come about into being? And then let's talk a little bit about that because I'd be very curious to see how biohacking ties into all this other things we've been mentioning. Yeah. Love it, love it. Yeah. So so you know I'm just tapping into these um, Kairos moments through ceremonial technology, and then what am I doing in my professional life? Well, I'm getting a little disenfranchised with the procurement timelines in government technology. Um, and, and I, we successfully did get a contract with the state of Maryland to do this, to do host home inks, uh, software build for them. Um, but it was, it was, then the pandemic happened, special project budgets got eliminated and everything got a little more competitive. Uh, I stayed in this space with, uh, you know, uh, the COVID Alliance, we were doing social services adaptations. Um, I won't go too deep into that story. It was an amazing project. I met a lot of awesome people. Um, they did a lot of impact, but I went deep internally and realized that people are, are unhoused because they're unhoused in their bodies. And it's when we're at home in our body, we're at home in our identity, we're at home in our purpose, our community, 
we're at home in our society, we're at home in our culture. And, and then emanates out that we're at home in our purpose, we're at home in our work, we're at home in our career. So the homelessness was a disintegration at the root from people not being in their bodies. So how can I help people and be of service, like you just said, to people to, for us to be more at home in our physiology that we have? And that was the wearable device design company, Soyana Technologies. Soyana is a Bolivian word for hope. And the, the core thesis was I have hope for a day without screens. But it was this, this uh, ultimately we would build um, quantified self biometric monitoring devices that are beautiful um, for now as kind of phase one, right? Make the Aura ring, but what's an Aura ring for women? What are some cool ear clips? What are some breath work? Uh, you know, we can use ambient audio data for respiration and run AI analytics to get respiratory patterns and see how effective your breath work is. Um, but, but let's go into this health and well-being, being in our body through smart jewelry. And then ultimately, uh, we, would, we would hope to be well positioned as a brand and a company to work with folks like Apple, Microsoft and Meta to do this unmediated digital participation, which is a fancy way of saying what's, what's a, way, a day without screens? What happens when the phone components are so small they can fit in a ring or on like an ear clip with a contact lens? What's digital participation in this beautiful jewelry, embedded jewelry future where our children can be ergonomic, eye contact, heart centered and not hunched over a screen? And I really want to want and still do want to be a part of um, engineering the infrastructure that enables that future. Um, so that was the shift. It was how can we build training wheels for folks to be more in their bodies? So mm -hmm. we're actually addressing the same problem of, of, of being at home but now we're at home in our bodies. Yeah. It's an interesting, yeah, you went a layer deeper in that. Yes. This, no, no physical, but then you went from the physical reality to the internal mental reality, which then you can kind of have that as a feedback loop. I, what did you see through the all of the work that you did? So generally speaking, one of the best things ever about creating a new business is that you very rapidly become an expert in that field to a degree because you yeah. want to understand it and you're passionate about it and you're obsessed with it and you understand the landscape, the marketing and like what's going on. Yeah. What did you do? What did you see in the area of wearables yeah. that created a lot of alignment? What are yeah. with your product or without your product? What do you what do you know is like, okay, this is a hundred percent beneficial to people? Sure, sure, sure. There are incentives. Um, and and there's 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 spend, there's investment spend that's incentivizing innovation in certain trajectories. Um, that's on the miniaturization of components. Um, and, and there are leading indicators that it's time to invest in those spaces, right? So mm -hmm. I talked to Qualcomm's uh, director of portfolios where he was managing the chipsets for these different wearable devices. And they would, they, Qualcomm is one of the biggest global um, component manufacturers for, for mobile devices and, their, and the chipsets for wearable devices. And we were talking also with Harpreet Singh over, he was at that, the CEO of Alra Ring. Um, and, and we're learning things like, like this is actually four products based on which size ring you get. There's a whole different supply chain on each of them, a whole different margin on the product. And that's one of the things that inform the subscription model. Then looking at uh, uh, AR glasses and then contact lenses and things, there the supply chain around that is at an inflection point. And according to Qualcomm, within two years, you'll be able to have full uh, digital participation with just glasses and a watch. There will no, no need for a computer and, and a mobile phone or a mobile phone. Um, and, and those things were really um, aligned with my worldview because the smaller components meant less, um, less uh, resource input. So if you're looking at 
uh, how we can have the, the the benefits of this global digital infrastructure. This, you know, we've we've rationalized the new sphere into some uh, user interface that that's valuable. Like we're using it right now to record and distribute this podcast. That that is a good thing, and I don't want to say go to the Amazon and, and, and turn off your phones and don't be on social media. I want to say be on social media and be in the jungle. So that means we need to have devices, but we can't have all these clunky things. There's an inflection point where you're going to have one piece of jewelry passed between generations. That is your interface to all of it. And I think the, the companies that get in on that trajectory early will own the products that uh, that 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 will establish that space of like your your interface. If it's mm-hmm. if it's a if it's an implant or if it's a wearable, whatever. If it's non-invasive, invasive, we're consolidating on based on component miniaturization, um, the resource inputs required, the global supply chains around semiconductors. Like we're 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 at a, a point now. I think very soon where there's going to be an objective winner. And if I had my way, I would I would advocate for some kind of de- the global infrastructure. It's sovereign that could possibly be uh, on chain or decentralized in some capacity that 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 contracts with nation states that makes this type like like how water is a utility. Your interface device should be a utility as a human being. And I can go deep on tangents over what policy is needed to to ensure that. Uh, countries are enrolled in such a multi-stakeholder project but i think that we're at a point where we're going to have one device and that's super aligned with my worldview because i think we can have a a really low impact if not regenerative uh impact on the planet as we move about it and Mm -hmm. and cultivate it as as humans yeah we're we're you see the evolution of this tech right there's the general computing was a just a groundbreaker right that's crazy right you have general computing then you got into the areas of your phone. Your phone replaced a calculator. It replaced uh, there's so many things your phone replaced, yeah. right? And, and we're and we're getting to a point where these headsets, they're not quite as frictionless as a phone. They're a little bit more cumbersome, but they're getting there. They're a little clunky. Um, yeah. Right now, they have the the fake augmented reality, which is currently my favorite augmented reality. Is cameras on the outside of a VR headset that makes reality because it, it is the best. It is the best computing processing that I've seen so far, but still, it's still uh, still a lot of friction to get there um, along the way. And at some point, yeah, we will plug into the brain. I don't know uh, how far we always heat is the issue, mm-hmm. right? You know, it's a heat. We I've done early Oculus headsets were so hot, and I think even the Hololens, uh, Apple glasses have a heat issues. The the Google Lens had heat issues. Like it's heat, it's it's battery capacity, but those things are being solved as we move. To more efficient semiconductors and battery technology so i'm optimistic it's coming keep yeah yeah <laughs> it's it's coming it's no it's it's i mean it's here people do use it i mean i know people yeah. there's some people that sleep in it they're called yeah. sleepers right yeah. they'll go to bed they'll cuddle they'll cuddle somebody uh remotely yeah. and they're a teddy bear and it will be their partner right there's other people do other things in vr yeah. well we can we can yeah, maybe so save and, and and ultra high resolution vr yeah. you know, i've seen it's, some interesting stuff for oh, sure. yeah yeah, definitely. Uh, so, I mean, there's a lot of things. What about in the area of biofeedback? Like, how have you used biofeedback for yourself, or how have you seen biofeedback specifically be beneficial? Yeah. So that started with the heart math device, which I highly recommend. Um, that 
like, like gamify coherence yes please um I, <laughs> so i started working with one of my first coaches i hired in 2018 was a big heart math guy um tristan heart map consulting and uh and he had me on the M wave and, and getting the high scores. And then whenever I kind of challenge him on some intellectual contrivance that I was rambling about, and he would just bring me back to the heart and simplify. And then he just show his scores. <laughs> and he'd be like, well, my heart coherence is ridiculous. And yours is all your in dissonance. Um, so you know, check yourself. Um, so I used the, the, the heart math device at first. And then from that, I I'd always been in meditation and hypnosis, which, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the like, binaural beats and eye dosers that help you entrain different brain states. Which yeah, will- it, I'd love to explain it though a little bit. I mean, the heart math yeah. device. Um, I'd love to uh, if you explain that a little bit more. Just explain some of these things. I, I know some of it. I think I used one a long time ago, but I would be speaking out of turn if I said, "Oh, I know exactly what it does." Awesome, awesome. Yeah. So heart heart math is a, a, a you know heavily scientific uh, research entity, really. And they had this product because they have this you know, massive study going on about coherence, which is their, they use the word in a specific way, but there's a, uh, a ratio of respiration and EKG. So your heart, heart rate. Um, and when your respiration and your EKG are in this, this, uh, this synchrony, um, your, your physiology is at an optimal state. So you, they, they really simply has an app with a visualization and a breathing timer. And then you have a clip monitoring your EKG. So like monitoring your heart spikes. And if you follow that breathe, that breath timer for, you know, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, you get a phase shift. And then you see on the screen, it's like giving you um, visual confirmation that you've had that phase shift. And then you're, wow, it's actually... And then you start to really habituate anchoring that, that phase in that, that state in your being and knowing when I'm in and out of it. Mm. And that became almost like this compass, right? I'm Captain Jack Sparrow with this compass that points to your heart's desire. And I could, I could, I could then get into coherence with this device and then I could engage a call and be talking to my team and and i could see when i go out of coherence wait, wait hold on what was that you said <laughs> and i started using that to, to try on uh potential strategies at soliana mm-hmm. and at host home and and then and then later at permanence capital is this is this an aligned partnership etc and 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 i just began to train it and and what i then found also was it was really good for trauma work so um, as you get into these states of coherence, then things that you had been spending energy to repress bubble up on their pathway to be let go, but they bubble up and have an opportunity to be interfaced with or reprocessed or acknowledged as complete, right? Note complete, note complete. And you can, you can do these processes psychologically to acknowledge the releasing of uh, a somatic tension or, or embodied trauma. And that all came from working with the biofeedback device, the M wave from heart math. Um, you know, I went, I went on from that and, and, you know, played with the muse headset, which is another biofeedback training for the brain, um, different EEG monitors. Um, if you're familiar with this guy named Ken Wilbur, uh, he's an integral theorist, highly respect him. Got to meet him this year in Sedona at an integral. Oh, conference. Wow. Yeah. Fascinating yeah. guy. Uh, pro- probably towards the end of his uh, time in this in this conversation, um, his age is pretty advanced. 
Um, but he, he was famous when I first saw his content online for being able to stop a, get an EEG device that measures brain states and he could get his brain into the deep Delta, which is basically death, like neurologically dead. And then, fire back up again. <laughs> it was like the, the scientists who measured him doing that were like, how are you doing this? But lab verified data, right? And then we now know like different monks who different, different chants and meditations can do similar things. And we know that, that um, through my time with Dr. Gino Yu, actually, he has a lab that research, researches these non-ordinary states of consciousness and individuals who can replicably access non-ordinary states of consciousness endogenously so without supplements or external um, influence. And then they can catalyze non-ordinary states of consciousness in others through connection. So that's a fancy way of saying like these, these like healers, right? They, they, they do transpersonal healing because they can get in such a powerful state of consciousness with their brain waves, physiology, and they can get in a deep connection with another, another being. And then they can in, in mirror neurons, entrainment, resonance, entrain the other person to that state. And for those who haven't practiced or have, a, have any kind of familiarity with that state of consciousness, it can be in like a, a very accelerated healing that they can catalyze. In. And what's amazing about that is, is I think unless someone's experienced that, it kind of sounds too good to be true. It sounds oh, like, yeah. how the hell, how's that sound? I, I, yeah, it's, it sounds, it sounds fake. It totally sounds fake. I read about it one time in Michael Singer's book, the untethered soul. Mm. Um, and uh, and he was talking about going around. And he said this uh, Indian guru guy came, and and he said the only time this has ever happened, uh, the guy touched him on his heart, and then his heart just opened. And he said it was the only time some guy was able to do this. And I forget the the details between who that guru person was, but apparently this was the guy's ability. He was a healer, and he swears by it, and he swears by everything. And the whole book of Michael Singer's book is about just following what the universe wants you to do, going down this path and then going on this crazy journey where he ends up creating this huge giant meditation community by accident, this huge, crazy uh, uh, medical software company by accident, almost gets indicted by the government. And he's just along the journey, just saying yep. yes to the inventor. It's crazy. So, uh, but that's, yeah. yeah, but that, that piece about that, it's like, I still have problems believing that in my own mind. Of, of believing that someone can like logic. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, how, how does that work? How can someone touch you and has that and cause that to yeah. happen? So one of the things that opened my mind to these uh, latent abilities, we, 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 there's so much we don't know. We don't know. Right. Who mm -hmm. to landmark one Oh one, right. There's what we know. We know, we, we know, we don't know. Like I may not, I don't know some mathematical formula or something. And there's what I don't know that I don't know. And that's, there's an infinite scale to what I don't know. I don't know. And a lot of the stuff we don't know that we aren't skilled in is around this physiology right here, this planet, this body, this moment and what it's capable of. Right. And, and we can, we can give context to say why that is. It's so loud in our society. There's so many like, like combustion engines, the electric uh, electricity distribution infrastructure. There's a lot of noise in this in this uh, epoch of human development that we find ourselves in. So maybe we're just not chill enough to tap into our higher order sensitivities, or as the Indian mystics would say, our higher order city. But it doesn't mean we don't have them mm -hmm. on board right now without a Neuralink. Um, so I, I want to say that first and then say one of the things that opened me up to it was right back to HeartMath. When I first did my uh, the first global synchronization event, which was a, a 
just about 20,000 people. Is that right? Was it 20,000 or 200,000 people on multiple Zooms tethered in through some broadcast real-time event during the pandemic? We were all doing coherence meditation together. We're all breathing and respiring, getting the, 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 the app. We're all in the green, you know, doing that together. And they were on the Zoom. They were people were were, were chanting. People were breathing. And these these uh, elders were leading this session, and it was this global healing event. And then they had some scientists that were measuring, and they measured a spike in the uh, bioelectric field of planet Earth. And it was like, wait a minute, we just had an impact by by this many people, this small number of people being in coherence. It had an impact on on the the planet's coherence wait a minute what are we doing here we're stewards of this earth what are we doing here what if our entire commercial drivers of our of our economy incentivized this kind of coherence what if our businesses were all about making people be more in their bodies be more in their hearts be more in their communities more in their purpose more in their more in their their in love and and what would be possible then um is, and, and is i that, just got activated yeah is that one of those moments for you because what it sounds like to me is like a lot of the work that you've done from uh helping with the uh homeless having people being embodied in their consciousness to this um conscious capitalist direction that you've gone in was that the was that one of those moments that you thought about how could i use my entrepreneurship skills to kind of create this impact was that oh yeah Oh yeah, yeah, Dylan. That, right there yeah. was like, how can I scale this? <laughs> what is, what is, what is scale look like? What is what is, like a, what is what is an economy incentivized around this? What yeah. what what kind of because um, capitalism is almost like inaccurate to describe the, the mm -hmm. late stage capitalism we're experiencing now. There are so many more metrics and information involved in commercial exchange, lifestyle of health and wellness, aspirational consumers, ESG. There's so much more. And it's all just information, but it is impacting market dynamics. So it is real, even though it is just information. And I think that there's this balance between policy kind of coerced market dynamics and real organic market dynamics. And what's the most organic influence in the market, but the human beings that are generating the market. So that's us and it's us and our bodies and our, our coherence emanating out to a scale that impacts the planet. So like, if you want to scale something, scale coherence. Mm. So then if you're looking at that and bringing through what you're doing right now with the yeah. whole, with sure. your um, firm, with if you would. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to me about this and, and, and talk to me about like, you know, what is your mission with earth? What is the, like, how does, how does all of this integrate to what are you doing today? Yeah. Well, I think you started this off um, and, and you find my website at codeofhip.com. It's the, the roots of the future are ancient. Right. The yeah. roots of the future are ancient. Right. Throughout all history, Homo sapiens have had this heart and this this lungs and we've been breathing. We've been accessing coherence. Maybe we've been scaling it through song and narrative. Now we've got some more sophistication. We've maybe had a little bit more uh, mycelial induced uh, neurological development going on. Let's, I don't know, Paul Stamets, how scientific things are these days, but we're, we've got a little bit more cognitive horsepower and we've built a little more sophisticated, interdependent infrastructure in our economies so why not align all of that why not align all of that and, and you know i, I thought it was going to be this MA activity with the biohacking med spas um it, that i encourage people to start to do that a, a lot of a lot of uh players have built some successful brands in the space it's, uh when i got deep into the the next order uh, the higher order of uh, investment on that the 
the kind of agglomerations in within uh, portfolios in psychedelic venture capital, they realized it was a little too early to bring in larger tranches. So, so a fund to fund strategy is not well timed in psychedelic therapeutics right now. It may be in the near future, but if where from where I'm standing, legacy players, most big pharma essentially is gonna uh, is gonna drain the IP out of that space, and their playbook, their strategies are still too dominant for some of these more brittle ecosystems that are so subject to these volatile policies and regional specific policies. So I think there's going to be still some dissonance before this stabilizes, but we are, so, okay, if pharma isn't the space to, to, to compete against, maybe we can work with pharma in a more reformist bridge building type ways, intergenerational legacy type conversation, where we can work with these macro structures within the level inducing, uh, uh, instability because innovation, but not inducing so much instability that they lose their commercial drivers or their dominance. We can then align the legacy stakeholders and these emergent stakeholders to a future that works for all of them. So taking off my social justice hat and in 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 in, 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 in this in kind of investment uh, activism or whatnot, and just say like, where are the numbers right now? And the numbers are like are, are saying it's. It's AI, it's synthetic biology, it's life sciences. And there's a, there's a lot of opportunity in the space right now for healing, simple for healing. And if we can bring macro investments into healing, I'm all for it. So, and that's gonna mean downstream, healthier people, generating healthier culture, generating healthier products, services, and art that, that brings about a better world. So. Earth is, is this, the roots of the future are ancient. And we're really just looking at these late stage venture funds and picking the best of those funds, the most compliant of those funds as well um, with regula regulations to build a platform later, things like pension um, and larger stakeholders to come in. And then, and on the more personal level for some of these family offices that really built the world that we're all living in for them to to be a part of what's next, and be humble in 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 that participation, uh, to experience the medicine for themselves, to be a part of this next generation of leadership, to be a part of this next generation of innovation, and and you know to to build that bridge. Mm -hmm. So Earth is about that. Earth is a is a is a container for for family offices and institutions to participate in this future of healing. I love that. So that what you're saying is that in order to have, in order to heal the planet, we have to heal ourselves. The best way to do that is through investing in the latest and greatest technologies and medicines, whether it's AI, biosynthetic technologies, or anything else, and be able to invest in those companies that are already making deep impact in the space and use that as an activism form of investments to be able to create deeper, stronger impact. And that's kind of the the thesis to it to a degree is yeah. is is really being able to use that as an impact. Now, if that is the if that's the the mission, right, is to is to help people that help people in this way. Uh, what is the dragon? What is the thing so difficult to overcome? You might need to change who you are in order to get what you need. The dragon's always big and scary, right? It's fear, mm -hmm. um, and fear looks different for each stakeholder in these these projects. So the the one distinction is that the 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 legacy momentum of these stakeholders in these industries, they, 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 they carve a deep wake and that wake opens up spaces for these new players to, to, to scale up, right? So by being in alignment 
and alliance with some legacy stakeholders, we'll have good perspective over where the blue water is, right? And then we'll have opportunities for these follow-on investments or direct investments, sidecar opportunities into some of these up and coming stars because um, we'll have that perspective. And that's just a function of the model. Now, to, what is the dragon? Uh, I mean, the, the, the dragon of failure is, 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 I feel like that one is such a friend now. I, it's like, I'm, I'm hanging out with, with failure all the time, you know, <laughs> but, but that, the, 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 re, the, the dragon for the stakeholder that I think is the scariest is when I look at these, um, the, the legacy players, look at these family offices who have enjoyed comfort and authority. And now we're in a world where if you're, say you're in your 60s or 70s and maybe your, your son or daughter is pretty tech literate, but your grandkids are like, have a, have a fidgetal existence, right? It's a, a physical digital hybrid existence and their identity is disaggregated across various digital platforms. And then their reality is augmented with audio and visual synesthetic technology of if it's if it's devices or if it's like sonic spatialized sonic audio like spatialized audio like there's so much coming that's fragmenting the 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 identities of Gen Z and 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 thereafter. How scary is that to a grandparent right now? Oh and yeah, I'm, I'm the bridge, and I go like, hey, hey, uh, you know, patriarch or hey, matriarch, who may or may not be on the investment committee, but is ultimately the decision maker. Do not be afraid. We have intergenerational integrity. We have the trust of the next generation of innovators and entrepreneurs. And we are coming here to earn your trust. Mm -hmm. Let's have dinner. Mm. Right. So and that's the work right now is to not lose the elders. Because I think with a young, look, when I was early, I'm, I'm in my 30s now, but when I was in my 20s, I was going so fast, I was scaring the elders. And I needed to slow down. So I know from experience what it's like to not successfully raise capital because I was too intense in my conviction that I was right and not realizing that the wisdom of the elders is worth the patience. Love that. The wisdom of the elders is worth the patience. I think, I think often we decide to go so hard and so fast because we want it now when really it's, it's about taking that beat, taking that section and making sure that everybody understands that this we are on a ride. We are going somewhere that we've never been before as humanity. And we all are evolving and the young kids have less to change. And we know that change is painful and comfortable and scary. But at the same time, if we're all going together and we're making sure that everybody's on board, then you can make that transition knowing that the intention is really going to help set the direction. 100 percent. 100 percent. And the intention is good. And I think the intentions are as pure as our consciousness allows and our, our global mythology, or our narrative allows us to articulate. And that's I mean, the, the work of artists in, in cultural engineering is, is critical right now. I think folks like Disney Family Office are doing amazing things to create more expansion in, in, in values that are driving artistic creation and expression, which allows us to envision futures and then engineer and construct commercial drivers of those futures becoming tangible but that, that that's a, that's a separate conversation i think that the there's a nuance in this too around another fear of too much plasticity so we started this conversation going deep on psychedelics it's super trendy i think it's it's like very much a dominant force in the culture and always has been throughout time uh, there was maybe a brief moment from like the 50s until the, uh, the early 2000s where it was taboo but uh, you know we're, i think we're moving through that hiccup in american culture at least and, and the, the rest of the world soon 
Um, but there is still risk that too much of this um, unformed mind, too much plasticity, too much ego death creates too much like um, lack of the generative principle, lack of, 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 of generation, right? And that's different from doing. But if you, if, for example, if you wanted to neutralize the innovative potential of a country, maybe at, invest in uh, the removal of certain regulations on, on certain medicines and watch what happens, right? And, and that could very well be a, a, a reality in some foreign policy decisions right now in regards to the U.S. Um, uh, leadership. And, and I'm just speculating. And, but, but like if you, and, and if you imagine that a very intellectually rigorous country or culture is, is making certain moves and we're making other moves, that has to interface. Now, I say the power of the heart will win, but it may mean structural power will shift as a result of some of these policy decisions. So there's a whole layer here with another dragon is how much of this Promethean fire of these technologies of ecstasis are to be saturated into the culture um, without the right channels being established in that culture. Mm, yes. Yeah. Let the Promethean fire uh, fuel us and not burn us. I yes. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> we all playing with it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I, I often feel like a monkey with, with a, with a rifle uh, with all this technology <laughs> around me. I'm like, what does this do? You know, it's, it's so powerful. Um, Coda, it's been awesome having you on this show. Is there is there anything else you'd like to let people know about before you tell them how to get a hold of you? Yeah. Um, well, I'm I'm grateful for the space. I'm grateful for the time in each of your lives. Um, and and I you know I started off speaking a little bit about humility, and I just want to maybe wrap up with that. Like humility is powerful, right? Humility is powerful, and and we we interface with authority and we gain authority, and then have responsibility of others and leadership. And I think all that sources from humility. So I just wanted to just come right back to that. Um, and, and again, say thank you for the, the time and the space. I love it, brother. And uh, if people want to get a hold of you, how do they do that? Yeah. So at Coda underscore Pip, that's K-O-D-A-H underscore P is in purple, I-P um, on the IG over there. Um, it's CodaPip.com as well. Um, I've got a little chatbot email thing going on on the website and I'll check that. Um, and I'd love to be in communication, see how I could be helpful in whatever you're creating um, and or see how we can collaborate in some generative ways in the near future. Love to be of service. Beautiful. Coda, thank you for your time. It's an honor and pleasure, my friend, and I'll see you on the other side. All right. Be well. Take care now. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. While you're there, you can also take the Heroes Quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or, if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.